Are you struggling with all of the messages about Mother's Day and how wonderful it will be to honor mothers, but you're not even sure what motherhood means after you've lost your baby? There's no harder holiday to cope with for moms of stillborn babies than on Mother's Day. That's why I'm hosting a free support session called Coffee and Comfort on Sunday, May 12th at 11 o'clock Eastern. We'll get together for an hour before the day gets started and talk about the guilt and what-ifs that so often come after this type of loss. And I'll help you create a plan for the day that honors both you and your baby. The best part is we'll gather together with other lost moms who really get exactly how you're feeling so you won't feel alone. Together, we'll navigate Mother's Day and learn how to get through this tough holiday with ease. Save your seat at jennifersend.com slash coffee or click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. You know, really punish themselves for how their bodies change during pregnancy and say, I must lose the weight now and get really frustrated about that. Like even just recognizing your body has gone through such a hormonal roller coaster. And that it's going to take time for it to recalibrate and settle. I'm Jennifer Sen, a certified life coach, married mama of two sons, twin angel babies, and a rainbow baby. And this is the Navigating Baby Loss podcast. I'm on a mission to help stop the isolation, shame, and lack of self-confidence that often comes with stillbirth loss. And to show you that you still deserve to live the life you've dreamed of. Pull up a cozy seat, pour a cup of coffee, and prepare to hang out with a caring friend who's been through it and can show you the way. This is episode number 47 of the Navigating Baby Loss podcast, and my guest today is Meredith McKenzie. She's a registered clinical counselor and intuitive eating coach. I thought it would be great to invite her here today to talk to us about the relationship that we have with our bodies, because maybe like me, you're on a journey to loving your body again after loss. She became a binge eating therapist, and that led her to creating a caring and respectful relationship with her own body, which was put to test during her infertility and miscarriage journey. She shares all about her stories and how she puts into place the body respect and the intuitive eating relationship with food and movement as she is experiencing her own baby loss grief in real time. Here's my conversation with Meredith McKenzie. Today, I am talking with Meredith McKenzie. She is a licensed clinical counselor. And she is an intuitive eating coach. And we are going to be talking about the relationship with your body after loss. So welcome, Meredith. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. This is such an important topic for baby loss moms. And I know it's something I struggled with for a long time. And I'm not even sure I'm fully over it at this point, but it just is that distrust of your body and the, you know, maybe eating differently because you're, sometimes you find that you're punishing your body even. So would you first be willing to share your own story of loss? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. I think being able to talk in this format and, you know, talk to somebody else who's been 
through the same experience, it's just so, you know, it's another step in my own healing journey and just a nice way to try to consolidate and make sense of everything. So my own story, and I do think that it's very much related to and important to the work that I do, started, you know, back when I was younger and my relationship with my body and that I really struggled with disordered eating. And though I was never clinically diagnosed, I, you know, being a clinical counselor myself now can look back and say, I definitely suffered from an eating disorder and it then progressed from there. And it took me quite a number of years to do my own healing and recovery from that. And, you know, then I chose the career that I did because I I felt so strongly about helping women in this area. And it was something that I honestly felt was behind me, that I had this great relationship with my body and that I saw my body in such a deeper way than maybe the average person does. And I felt very, very almost grateful that I had that relationship with my body. And yeah, I was just, you know, going at life and met a wonderful partner and very excited to start a family together and didn't think that we were going to experience the the struggles that we did with conceiving and starting our own family. So I got married in 2018 and we quickly tried to start having a family. I'm, you know, currently doing my PhD at the University of British Columbia. And so trying to fit that in between, you know, the different stages of my degree. And we were just struggling and we're like, well, you know, it's okay because, you know, if we don't conceive now, we're going to wait until this next milestone in the program and then we'll try again. And we ended up moving across the country. We live in Canada. We moved across the country for part of my residency and still weren't conceiving and the pandemic hit. And we're just thinking, okay, been this long how long can we wait until we go and see somebody about this and throughout that whole process if anybody else has struggled with conceiving i'm sure everyone's well aware of you know the romance of the whole aspect just disappears and you start to just like hyper focus on well did i take the prenatals and am i getting enough sleep and by time like the uh, the times that we're you know being intimate with one another to try to make this happen. And am I right? You're like all of the things. Am I stressing too much? Because everyone then will say to you, oh, well, if you just relax, it'll happen. And, you know, it doesn't happen. And so all of the experts in the world. It, yeah. I, yeah. I felt like I became almost an expert in infertility mm-hmm. um, to try to figure out what was going on and why it wasn't happening for me. And definitely there. I started to notice that my relationship with my body was being impacted and just feeling like I had so much control over all these other aspects of my life, my career, my education. And I don't have control over when I conceive the baby. And so by the time we ended conceiving through IUI, we were very fortunate to have a very successful, like quick conception and that was during the pandemic and so you know with all of that we were just very happy because you know appointments were very different I was on my own my partner wasn't able to come with me to my appointments and as happy as I was as excited as I was that anxiety of when is that other shoe gonna drop just kept you know lingering and we you know the 12-week mark of pregnancy passed and we were excited about that and went out and bought a onesie and felt like we could celebrate and like be looking forward to this. 
And then I, I think I just really tried to tell myself everything was going to be okay, that all of the struggles we had in the past were behind us. And at our anatomy scan, which was actually two weeks later, I think it was 22 weeks because of the pandemic again, they couldn't get us in. They identified that there was potentially something that, you know, was a, a miss. And so I was referred to maternal fetal medicine and there. Again, going in happy-go-lucky, I get to see my baby again on this supersonic ultrasound machine. I'm so excited to see my baby. I was hit with a ton of bricks that he potentially had some very serious life-threatening and you know, life-altering if he were to survive post-birth complications. And that just served us in a whirlwind for the rest of the pregnancy of what was going on for him. And yeah, it was a, you know, up and down roller coaster of grieving. Will I potentially lose this baby? Um, if he is born, what will his life and quality of life be like? What will that mean for my family? What will that mean for us continuing to expand our family? And if we decide to do that when we have a special needs child and making some very hard decisions about what we wanted to do. And I, I don't want to say I was robbed of it, but it definitely changed my happiness with that pregnancy. Um, all this to say, and we can get into it more, he was born perfectly healthy and there's nothing wrong with him. And so I love science and sometimes I hate science because it really scared me and it really impacted my relationship with him and my body while I was pregnant with him. He is now 16 months old and we unexpected not unexpectedly we were definitely trying but given our previous history with trying to conceive we tried to conceive again starting at his first birthday and very quickly became pregnant happy 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 it was a wonderful you know three months leading up to announcing that we were pregnant and that was christmas time and on new year's eve last year 2022 um i miscarried and spent New Year's Eve in the hospital finding out that my baby had passed and that he had passed. Well, I say he, I just imagine he was a he. He had passed at nine weeks and that I had been carrying him for three weeks without knowing. And so every time I think that I've healed this, you know, betrayal or, you know, relationship with my body, I find that there's another layer to uncover and another piece to just think about it. I, I say it now because now I'm, you know, several months ahead of that. It's a gift. And it's also, you know, just one of those more challenging pieces of life that you have to work on. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think what stood out to me in your story is, is really you experienced the loss while you're pregnant with the child that continued to live and did become healthy because once you get that news that mm -hmm. they're not maybe going to live through it or that something is, you know, fatally wrong with them, it changes you. You just can never, and you can never be pregnant again ever without that, that fear. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, too, that you you are questioning your own relationship with your body, even though it's something you know, and you know this like the back of your hand. So how do you 
create a relationship with your body again after loss? Yeah. For me, I think it's been like recognizing that that relationship exists and that I have had certain expectations of my body at different points in my life and that I have maybe had unrealistic expectations and pushed it in ways that really hurt my body uh, from my eating disorder past and, you know, trying to really even beyond that recognize like, well, what were the other things I asked of my body that were maybe unreasonable? I worked night shifts in mental health for three years and that was so hard. And to say like, wow, my body worked with me through that so that I could achieve my goals and my body really sacrificed on my behalf. So I almost think of it as like, its own separate relationship, almost like my body is its own person and like how generous my body has been to me. And that's that's part of how I have just tried to recover that in general. But trying like the the fertility piece and the, you know, maintaining a pregnancy piece um has been so hard. So I think I have to recognize, and I think anybody probably has to recognize that that relationship exists and that we almost hold our bodies accountable as though they were a human being when really they don't have that responsibility, right? It's not like our bodies are intentionally hurting us in any way or trying to misguide us or not give us all the information that we need. You know, even just more recently with this loss, the the three weeks that I went pregnant, but not knowing I was pregnant, I remember we went on a a little hike with my mother-in-law and I was like, this pregnancy is so different. I don't even feel pregnant. Like it's wonderful. And I remember just being so excited and happy about that. And later looking back and being like, you idiot, you weren't pregnant. That's why you didn't feel pregnant. And so just questioning all of those you know, signals that my body would have given me if I were carrying a healthy pregnancy. Yeah. So it it is still like almost like, well, my body didn't tell me, my body wasn't purposely hiding this from me. And I still need to treat it well. I, you know, there's the little things that we do where we, you know, try to punish that you mentioned punishing yourself or punishing your body when it doesn't cooperate or it doesn't, you know, go along with you. And one of the the small things I remember doing was getting that news about my son and thinking, well, should I even be taking prenatal vitamins? Because, you know, if if termination is something that they're really pushing and the doctors know best, is it worth taking prenatal vitamins and having to stop myself and say, no, my body is important and my health is important and carrying this baby to whatever you know, point in time that I carry him is important. And so I'm going to, you know, stick with, keep being there for my body, however I can and keep taking these, these supplements. Where do you think those feelings come from? Is it, is it from guilt? Is it from disappointment that our body didn't perform what it was supposed to be doing? I wonder, like, it's amazing that you have this podcast and that you talk about these things and that there's a space for women and, you know, any other partners, supportive partners to go and listen. But we don't talk about this. 
I like the fact that you could terminate a baby after 20 weeks. I didn't even know that was a possibility. It's just not talked about. And so I think we have this template in mind of this is what conceiving and starting a family looks like. And when it doesn't fit that, you feel like you've done something wrong or that your body is somehow wrong. And so I almost just feel like it's that you didn't measure up. You weren't, your body wasn't what it was supposed to be. And that that's like, at least for me, that's where it came from of there must be something wrong with me. And why wouldn't we think that, right? Because we only celebrate the babies that are born alive and born healthy. And we celebrate those moms and we celebrate those babies. But when something goes wrong, then we quickly just try to make it better. We quickly just try to shove it under the rug and and no one wants to talk about it because it, it because it is hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it's it's one of those things where there's so many opinions and realistically it's your life and you know your family that is going through this. And so I remember even just when I was experiencing things with my son, I didn't want to share because I had shared a few times and had some, you know, shocking or very unsupportive opinions shared back with me. And I was like, no, I can't handle that. All I can handle in this moment is just coping with the day to day and, you know, talking with my very close circle. But then I isolated and I, you know, kept it to myself and didn't share. And so I maybe. Not that I want to say I'm a part of the problem, but that dynamic is a part of the problem as well. That's what you do. Yeah, that that is why this is so incredibly isolating, because unless you've been through it, you don't understand. And so that's why I, I think finding someone who's been through it to talk to is really necessary. And then you went through it in COVID even, which mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, it's already an isolating situation if you think something was wrong and you were facing this terrible decision and there's all of this heartbreak possibly. And then it was COVID. So if you did decide, you would have had to go through it all alone anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, if anybody's been through this, like the the parts of <laughs> this process that kind of open up to you and you realize are a thing like booking a photographer and do you want a photographer there for your your birth at the moments that you have with your child who was born sleeping and like they just had to say to me sorry we aren't booking photographers for that because of covid and so just the not only learning and kind of being hit with that mac track of information but then also to learn that your experience is going to be so different because of the pandemic and the way they were dealing with things. Yeah, I think it it was like an extra punch in the face, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And these aren't the things that you Google when you're pregnant, right? No. Never Google's like, what would I do if if my baby was stillborn? Or what would I do if I had a miscarriage? No one Googles that. So then you're just obviously learning on the fly and Mm -hmm. and at the disposal of whoever is around you at the time and the circumstances so Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I'm so thankful that your sweet boy was born healthy after all. But I know there's lots of lots of parents that didn't get that outcome and are facing some really hard decisions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's part of, you know, that feeling of mistrust, too, because I was at like the premier hospital in Vancouver, British Columbia. I was working with excellent doctors. Um, I had, you know, testing, like all the testing that was available to me. They actually wrote a grant to the government or like a letter pleading my case to have his genetic material sent down to the United States to be tested to see if there was something, you know, a new disorder that hadn't been known of before. And that might explain what was happening to him in utero. So that I had everything, every resource at my disposal. And then he was born perfectly healthy. And to then kind of question like, well, how much of pregnancy is still such an unknown, right? Even though all these amazing minds can come together and be there to support me, that he was perfectly healthy, that there was nothing wrong with him. And that what if, uh, like the other thing that I, I think I still one day have to process and unpack is what if I had terminated? Like I, but yeah, like the, every, I think everybody's decision is a very personal decision. So I could never imagine somebody else's life, but we were definitely questioning what would our quality of life be given what they had kind of described could be his life where he would be 100% wheelchair bound, never being able to communicate like very much just in his own world. Um, and like we'd live in a townhouse with three three sets of stairs, and so we'd be moving, and just like all of the what ifs, oh the logistics, what, 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 yeah. And then now it's like, no, he, I am five three, and he is congenitally short, and that's just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How did you then take the things that you teach other people about appreciating their body? taking care of their body how did you take that and apply it to yourself when you were really in a hard season mm -hmm. i think the first thing that i did was even just recognize that this was happening you know now i have a child and so the second pregnancy was very different but i got to spend a lot of time on my own in the shower and you know, I, I really wanted to bond with my baby and bond with my pregnant body because it was something I'd yearned for, for so long. And so just even being with him in the, the shower and like holding my body just felt really nice. And I almost remember just like being in those moments and being like, okay, how do I get through this with him? How do I trust that my body is going to do what it's going to do and that we are going to at least have an experience like this pregnancy is not a bad experience or it's not a, a total failure or loss if he doesn't survive. You know, I still got to be pregnant with this, this baby who I know is my son for this number of weeks and to feel him move. And so trying to kind of focus on not, I don't want to say like silver line it or you know, focus on the positive because I think that that's can be kind of toxic and the toxic positivity realm but what were the things that were really special and how could I honor those experiences that was something that was important to me 
um, the photographs that I had with my husband and like the three of us together. Even even just trying to reconnect with that part of myself that didn't know anything yet, that naive, happy, excited, optimistic version of myself. And to just be like, no, she was happy and that's okay that she was happy. She wasn't stupid for not knowing. Mm-hmm. She, you know, trying to like really focus on like how negatively I'd been talking to myself about not knowing. And, you know, it's it's almost like you have to open yourself up to the idea that multiple feelings and multiple realities are a possibility. That you can be excited and joyous and celebrate this pregnancy and be devastated and grieve it. And that both things can be possible at once and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. The other thing that I've done is, you know, I think so often our bodies, you know, will give us signals of what they need. And, you know, that sadness and that grief that really overwhelmed me just wanted, made me want to isolate, made me want to be by myself, made me want to, you know, dig into Reddit and go through all of the Reddit profile or subreddits and just be like i need to find the solution here and that that isolation just put me you know on my own and rather having to find ways to connect and find support and so rather than laying in bed after work could i go for a walk with my husband and enjoy that time because we had created a really nice kind of routine for ourselves where we went for a walk every evening because you know that was going to help with birth and labor but yeah. to keep up that practice just because it was also a nice way for us to connect. So it's almost like yeah. you have to like radically love your body, even when it doesn't feel like it's loving you. Yeah. Ooh, that's hard to do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, what are some great self-care? I mean, you mentioned the walking and what are some other really great self-care practices that you could give for someone who is really struggling with accepting this reality and appreciating their body for what it did do mm-hmm. um for, and like i'm it's maybe harder for me not to be into my own experience and what was happening for me and i i Maybe now I need to also include this experience of losing my my second child, but taking time to like reconnect with your body. And so showers for me were part of that. Like we know that bathing and having a nice warm bath and shower can be one piece of that. But, you know, recognizing like what it was that your your body did do for you. And so I would this is it goes into my body image piece as well of like my body changed so drastically and you know it stretched and moved and everything and then also with the second baby to you know not have a reward at the end of that not be able to celebrate a baby coming from that but that my body still changed in those 12 weeks but to say yeah my body was amazing and it housed a baby and I got to you know be with that baby for that amount of time and that like look at how amazing that body is so for me, that means like getting closer to my body. And so from self-care, that might be bathing or showering. I love a hot shower. Going for walks is a big one for me because I like to feel my body move and to appreciate what it could do in that way as well. Um, and really focusing on function and how my body allows me to go through life rather than how it bailed in some way. 
So just really that mindset shift of, you know, here are the positives of my body instead of just looking down at like this empty shell. Yeah. And I think going to that deeper level too, because it it wouldn't be kind of the surface level positivity of like, I like the color of my hair because I do like the color of my hair. But what is the, like, how does my body like contribute to a life that I love or how, how has my body served me in some way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how do you prepare your body for maybe a new baby? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where I'm at right now. I've been given the green light to try again. And I I almost think that that's like where you have to make that connection between mind and body because I, I just suspect that my mind is going to be very worried in those first 12 weeks and then even those first 20 weeks that there's nothing promised. And, that, and that's the, the hard reality and the grief that I think you have to go through if you've lost pregnancy or if something very serious has been identified later in a pregnancy that those milestones that everybody believes are the the success points or like, oh, everything's in the clear is not true. Um, and so it's almost like that cruel reality of you know more than you really want to know. And so I think for me, preparing my body means being in the moment and being day by day. And I had a mantra for myself of today I am pregnant and today I'm with my baby. And rather than focusing on the future because there was so much unknown. And so I think that would be something that I'll go into this, hopefully a future pregnancy with of today I am pregnant. This is how my body feels today. And so again, not to, you know, sugarcoat things, but to say today my body is making me morning sick because or giving me that nausea because it is supporting the life of another person. Today my body is aching because it's expanding for another another human being. Today my body is telling me it's tired and it needs rest because it's doing a lot of growing for myself and another person. So I think just trying to honor the the little things that my body needs every day and not try to get ahead of myself. Um, and keep track of, or, you know, have self-compassion for the anxiety when it does come up, because, you know, to say like, of course I am scared of this. Of course, you know, I have spotting or I have an appointment coming up that is going to maybe reveal something that I'm scared to know about because I've been here before. And to say, of course, like I've been there and that was a scary time. That's a totally normal way to react when you've had something really scary happened before and you've had a loss before you're not silly for being scared and i always like an and and we don't know what is going to happen we can't predict we don't have a crystal ball we need to just again stay in today i love that i love having some of those mantras to kind of refer to because it was, as you were saying, I was imagining, like, it just takes it down a little bit. It just takes it down a notch. Like, okay, well, today, and just maybe even doing a daily morning check-in with your body. How am I feeling? What is going on? How can I just kind of rationalize this is what's happening? 
so that your mind doesn't get hooked on the fear and feeling scared. Mm -hmm. And then intuitive eating. So how does that come into play when, when you do have a loss? So say after a loss, how do you, how do you deal with intuitive eating when you were pregnant? Maybe you were eating extra because you were pregnant and now you don't need to. But you also don't want to swing the other way either and not eat enough to sustain and, and heal yourself physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and intuitive eating is quite a comprehensive approach. And I, again, value this approach so much because it focuses so much on the relationship with your body. And so there are aspects, like you kind of mentioned, of, you know, physical hunger and the cues that our body gives us. And oftentimes when we are grieving or we are sad, we maybe don't want to eat and we don't tune into our bodies the same way, especially if, you you know, you've had this loss and you've been so connected to your body. It can feel really tempting to just push away and disconnect from our bodies and to try to distract ourselves and maybe stay in our minds with that's what worry does. It keeps us in our heads. So, you know, connecting with your body and what you're feeling and at the same time, recognizing that emotion plays such a big role in how we eat and what we crave and you know, there's a whole range of things, whether it's punishing yourself by not eating, punishing yourself by eating more. Um, I, I already said I'm a big fan of Reddit and I'm in many mom groups just for my own experiences. But the number of women who, you know, really punish themselves for how their bodies change during pregnancy and say, I must lose the weight now and get really frustrated about that. Like even just recognizing your body has gone through such a hormonal roller coaster. And that it's going to take time for it to recalibrate and settle. So I would say not focusing on weight loss or trying to change your body in the first little bit after losing a baby would be really important. But I think when you are struggling right after, there's this concept called mechanical eating, which it's not a meal plan. It's not following a diet plan or anything like that, which would be restrictive most likely. But it's more so saying, okay, even if I'm feeling really depressed, I know that my body needs nourishment and I need to make sure that I am nourished well. So does that mean that I'm going to include something that has protein and carbohydrates and fats so that I'm satiated and that that part, I can tick the box off and I can then focus on my grief and focus on the other things that I have to deal with. But I'm going to just have some simple meals and simple things that I can have. If you do find, because I work quite a bit with women who struggle with emotional eating and overeating, that's really normal, right? You go through your whole day and especially if, like we were talking about earlier, that you don't talk about loss the same way. And mm-hmm. so you you might keep on this like happy mask or, you know, a mask of functioning throughout the day. And then by the evening, it's like I get to take the mask off. I get to put my feet up and relax. And now I'm now my grief hits me. And maybe I eat to cope with that. And so first, just recognizing that. But then I think that's where bringing in some of those self-care activities are so necessary to pre-plan to say, you know, maybe rather than, you know, binging on Netflix every single night, I'm going to choose one night a week that I 
do yoga or, you know, try to reconnect with my body or I go for a walk or I try to, you know, have a phone call with a friend or my partner and I play a board game or just something else to break up and cope with grief in a different way because it, it tends to be those habits that are the space that we can then, you know, just lean on food and, and cope with our emotions in that way. But then have so much compassion for yourself because it is almost remarkable that our bodies will find ways to cope. And if coping with food is that way, that's easy and accessible and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure it's, it's probably a common occurrence for a lot of people. <laughs> what would be a great way to reconnect with your body if you are feeling like, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so angry and I'm self-sabotaging maybe with my eating because of it. And I am angry and I just can't trust my body. What would you recommend? With me, I, I think, again, as a counselor, I think it's important to, you know, look at that anger and where it comes from because that anger is trying to tell us something, right? It's trying to tell us maybe that things felt unfair things did not work out the way we felt we were promised and that, you know, we were upset with that. And maybe even just recognizing that that anger is totally justified, but maybe it's not our body's fault. Maybe it's society's fault that we weren't informed, that we didn't have all the information about the possibility of what can happen in pregnancy and that that's not our body's fault. Our bodies were doing the very best that they could. and there's you know still that massive piece of unknown and if you're spiritual even that you know we don't we can't predict all of those things there is maybe another plan or another piece that we just don't know about and that's not a reflection of our body doing anything wrong so i think first focusing on why we're directing our anger at our bodies when maybe it needs to go elsewhere and then instead trying to focus on that I always think of my, my business is called parallel wellness, but like thinking about how we go through life in parallel with our bodies that as much as we wanted this pregnancy, our bodies likely wanted this pregnancy too, right? The reason my body didn't let go of that pregnancy for three weeks and I didn't know that I wasn't pregnant was because my body was trying to make it work. And, yeah. you know, Ooh, the, I love that. Yeah. The genetics are so wonderful. Because, yeah, it, yeah there, there's so many unexplained things. And I truly believe our bodies, our bodies are trying. They're doing yeah. everything they know. So much so that it, it takes a while for your body to tell your brain that you're no longer pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I, again, this is my own recovery part of all this and my process, but I will feel phantom movements in my stomach still. Um, and I know I'm not pregnant. I'm definitely not pregnant, but yeah, just that feeling. And I think maybe, you know, just that hope of what could have been. So almost going from it as a perspective of like grieving with your body that we both, um, are sad about that loss and we both need to work together on this, whether that's, you know, let's focus on improving our mental health by doing things that we need to do for us to feel emotionally better and focusing. So that was something else that I had is that, you know, having a 16 month old, I have not 
taking care of myself very well, put his mm. needs so far ahead of mine. And when I had this mm-hmm. miscarriage, I said to myself and my husband actually of, you know what? I think now is a time for me. I think yeah. I was really gearing myself up for being pregnant and how much I would have to give of my body again. And the, honestly, the fear of having a newborn again um, and knowing what all those sleepless nights will be like. But now, now I think it's time for me until I get back into that place. I think I need to focus on me. So what do I want to do? I was saying, let's go for walks with the baby and that's what he needs. It's a way for both of us to be outside. But now I think I need to put aside, you know, time for me to go do something just for me. And so my movement looks different. Maybe it's booking a yoga class and going in and doing that or booking a massage for myself to reconnect with my body and just feel that positivity and connection with myself that we're doing this together and that we need some connection time too. Nice. Well, I'm excited for you. I know that you're going to take care of yourself and that if that if another child is what you want, then that's going to be a really exciting time. So yeah, thank you so much. I mean, there are so many great nuggets of wisdom in here. And I know this is such a hard relationship to get back to. And I think you've given us some really great things to think about and take into consideration as you're grieving and as you're working through the process of trying to make peace with everything. Where can people find you? How you are helping and what kind of work you're doing? Yeah. So I primarily work with women who struggle with emotional eating and binge eating through an intuitive eating perspective. And so probably my most popular home is my YouTube channel and it's under Meredith McKenzie, um, big slash Parallel Wellness, which is my business name. And I'm also on Instagram and my handle is at Parallel Wellness. Your YouTube videos are incredible. They're so, so helpful. So yeah, if that is something that anyone is struggling with, I'm definitely going to recommend that they check you out there. And so thank you so much for being here and being willing to share your story and anything that everything that you shared with us today. I so appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. Like good. Have my own little counseling session now. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I sincerely hope this episode was helpful. And if you would like to help other parents who are suffering their own stillborn loss, a great way to do that is to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, because that is the quickest way that this podcast will show up for them to find it. They and I would be so very grateful for a minute of your time. New episodes are released every week on Thursdays, and you can access all the show notes, links to this episode, and info on how to contact me on my website at jennifersend.com slash podcast. And while you're there, grab some free, helpful resources. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and healing. Bye.